Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Happy Pride 2020 again. This time, meet my wife, Lisa Anderson Beasley. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you want to know more about me or book a training, go to my website at www.drbconnections.com. This episode was recorded on June 11th, 2020 during a Facebook Live series. Without further ado, let's kick it over to the episode. Today, you get to meet my wife. So Lisa Anderson Beasley is here to share her coming out story, which is completely different than my coming out story. So I think what you're going to learn about in just even our two stories is that everybody has a coming out story and it's totally different from somebody else's. And it's never easy. I shared that yesterday and hello, you saw it. It's been almost you know, 15 years and I still can't tell my story without, you know, crying. I didn't know that because I hadn't told my story for a while, but Lisa's story is different than mine. And it's, and, but it's just as scary. So if you know anybody who's out there in the LGBT community and you're willing to be a listening, loving ear for them, ask them at some point if they'd ever be comfortable sharing their coming out story with you because that's such a gift to be able to give to somebody then you really know that they love you and accept you for who you are so it's okay to ask somebody hey how would you feel comfortable sharing your coming out story with me sometime so anyway with that said i'd like to introduce you to my wife lisa Good morning. Um, well, this is a weird spot to be in. Usually I'm sitting across the room thinking how happy that I am that I don't have to sit here in front of this camera. But this is what you do when you're married. And yeah. And, and you suggest that we do an entire week of pride. <laughs> it was my suggestion, but I didn't think I'd be. Well, anyways, I'm here. Um, happy to uh, yeah talk to you a little bit about my story and just watching Kristen yesterday. I mean, I knew her story and it was just really emotional to watch her um, kind of share that information with you. But it's often funny when you're in this, this community, your coming out story is kind of your, yeah, it's like asking people what they do for a living <laughs> in a normal situation. It's like, so how did you come out? Because it's such a um, unifying thing in the community to ask about that story. Um, but yes, mine is a bit different from from Kristen's, as I knew a lot earlier in my life that I was gay. However, didn't want to acknowledge that truth. So I spent a lot of my early like teens into my 20s really denying that truth and um, you know, as far back as high school in the in late 80s, early 90s, I was questioning myself. But 
of course, back then it wasn't as accepted and we're well, still struggling with that, but I just didn't know what to do with it. And I told Kristen that, you know, when I was 15 or 16, when nobody was home, I would just scream that I was not gay into at my four walls or into my pillow, whatever. Um, I just needed to get that energy out because I was so scared. And I think a lot of it was the fear of being different and the fear of disappointing my family um, was a really big factor in keeping kind of this hidden element of myself. And I wasn't sure, you know, as well. I mean, I had feelings, but I'm like, I don't know what these are. I mean, everybody has crushes on girls, right? It's just (laughs) not me. (laughs) So I kind of just kept it, tapped it down and, you know, dated guys and, you know, and men into my twenties and, um, date a lot of great people. I'm not going to deny that, but it wasn't my truth. And so when I finally, um, did meet somebody and that codified what I was feeling about myself, like, this is where I am. This is what home feels like. And then still hit it for a long time because I felt shame and I felt again, that I was going to disappoint my family. So I was kind of living two different lives. Like one day I was living, you know, as kind of under the cover of a straight woman. And then at night, not so much. And just, it was just simple, crazy fear for me, um, for disappointing family. And, you know, as well going, what does this mean for me? Because I wanted to, I wanted to be married and have a family and have the kids and the dogs and the house. And, you know, ironically, I have that now married, you know, I've got four dogs, three cats, three kids and a granddaughter. I'm an incredibly young grandparent. So thank you. Um, And I, I mean, I love my life. Um, So those fears of not being able to have that was really unfounded. And thankfully I met somebody and was also open to having a family and all of that. So my world just kind of busted wide open and I think I'm handling it. Okay. Yes. But, um, (laughs) but you know, a lot of it was, you know, when I, I came out uh, to my mom first because my mom and I are, are exceptionally close. My mom is a great human being and great woman. Agreed. She's beautiful. (laughs) Our mama Gail. Yeah. I did it because I, a, I was, I just didn't want to hide anymore because it was taking a real toll on my mental health because it was either I tell somebody or I might just off myself. And it sounds kind of dramatic, but the tension of living two different lives and just feeling shame and disappointment was just too much. It was coming to a head. So I, in order to save myself and to save my relationship with my mom, my family knew something was up. I was not coming around as often. And I was hiding and very vague um, on what was going on in my life. And so I was finding this happiness and confirming things about myself. I was also hiding it. So it was really hard. So I called my mom over one night and said, yeah, we need to talk about something. She wasn't super shocked because she knew some things were happening. But, you know, parents are, like Kristen said yesterday, you get to a point where you you've done the crying, you've done the toiling, you've done the self whipping and work and all that kind of stuff. So I, my mom's journey began the first moment I told her. So she had to kind of reckon with that and also come out herself and deal with her own 
kind of homophobia, which is kind of a weird thing, but that's what parents have to deal with. And by the way, coming out, you have to deal with your own homophobia. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. But I fought for my mom. I wanted that relationship. So we fought together and my mom blamed herself for a bit. Like, what did I do? And I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. This is, this is about me. Um, but you know, I know parents probably often go to that place. Like, what did I do? What, what, you know, what didn't I model? What didn't, and it had nothing to do with that. Um, in fact, my mom modeled that loving is unconditional. So I knew that we would be safe. I would be safe in telling her, but it was kind of a rough haul there for a bit. You know, and I'm fortunate I did not lose the relationship with my mom or closer to I me. Mean, she gave me away at our wedding um, in September. So I'm very fortunate. I didn't lose my family. Um, they've all been super supportive. Um, I didn't lose any friends over it. I think some of my friends were upset that I didn't confide in them. Um, and it wasn't about that. It was more about me just yeah, just not being able to put the words to who I was. And it was more about my shame and not giving them the benefit of the doubt to be able to, you know, because I mean, there's probably friends right now watching that I went to high school at maybe, I don't know, that had no idea that I was struggling with this because you kind of become a master of hiding this. Um, So my coming out story is, you know, different and that I did know. And then it just kind of got to that point. So I came out, I think I was 27 but I didn't live fully out until um, I moved to Washington, D.C. and made a decision at 31 to completely live my life out of the closet, identify as a lesbian, you know, and that's how I was introducing myself to people. And that was very freeing. And But it did take me <laughs> 3,000 miles to do that, to give myself the space to kind of confirm my identity and just who I am as a woman. You know, people got hurt in the meantime, and because of my own shame and my own fear, you know, there were people who got hurt, and, you know, that is something I'm not okay with, And but it wasn't intentional. It was just more based on my own fear of um, what that meant for my life and coming out, and you always come out, like Kristen said yesterday, you always have to, and it gets easier as you get older, but it's more, you know, you have to correct people. Like when I got these eyeglasses, you know, the doctor noticed, saw my wedding ring and said, well, what does your husband do? And I said, well, my wife, you know, and it was followed up. Oh yeah, that's a thing these days. I'm like, yeah, it's a thing these days. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, you just kind of have to chuckle, but you know, I just kind of moved on with the conversation and told him about my wife. So there's always a learning opportunity for other people, but Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And, you know, I'll share with you too, that I was, you know, briefly married to a woman um, in DC. So then that just ended because of other circumstances. But today uh, I am much more comfortable in my skin and more of who I am. So that was helpful. And when I met Kristen on match, Yes, I took the chance on Fresno and it worked out. Um, so, uh, yeah, yay, yippee. Yeah, yay for us. No, so, you know, it was nice because I got to meet someone. Well, they don't know where you came from. Oh, I came from the area. So I was born and raised um, in San Mateo, California, apart from my nine and a half years in D.C., you know. And that's another point. Here I am raised in this really kind of liberal bastion, right? I mean, I'm 35 miles south of San Francisco. 
And um, when I was coming out and going to the city, you know, I was dating somebody then and it still wouldn't hold her hand because I still hadn't reconciled that I was not going to get bashed. And that was really, that was my fear of physical safety. I mean, there's so many things and considerations that I just kind of toiled through, but I don't think that's an unusual thing. I mean, still to this day, let's be honest, if I, you know, <laughs> am I going to, if I say the C word, um, there are certain uh, areas here <laughs> that I kind of go, do I want to take my wife's hand? And I do, but there's that moment of, is it safe? Um, and so, and that's, that's a trauma in me about safety, but that I think that'll always be something I think about. My wife, on the other hand, is just like, you know, screw them and we're going to do this. So, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's not as exciting <laughs> as listen, I didn't have any children bringing into the relationship. I didn't have to do that, but, oh, Kristen's bringing over this picture. That's us. See, it says repent or perish. <laughs> and this is in Fresno, like two weeks after Lisa and I met. And I kissed her in front of that guy. So we use that photo for people to sign at our, our wedding. And I love that picture. It's my favorite picture ever. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, um, I feel lucky. I feel very lucky and to be where I am in my life. And I love being who I am. It doesn't matter the challenges that it represents, but if you can live your life um, freely and truly, then it allows you to have more honest relationships with everybody else around you. Talk so. about feeling alone. Alone? Well, like, I don't know. I feel like that there's a lot of processing that happens all by yourself. You yeah. don't get to really, we're, we're talking about racism. We're talking, we can talk about all these things with other people and have back and forth where we get to really reflect and hear new ideas. But when you're coming out, you really don't get to do that. You do that. You're alone in your thoughts. And I think that's why I have, I don't believe, I mean, I'm sure that there are people out there. I'm not really sure if I've ever met anybody who didn't contemplate suicide on some level, not that they necessarily were sitting ready to complete, but you know, I mean, as part of the LGBTQ community now, I mean, I've, I've known myself many, many young people who have completed suicide. And it, it's, that's why I try to be so open and so out about who I am, because I want them to be able to see, look, you can have a normal family in life and, and it's okay to be who you are and you don't have to be alone. So Anybody can be that ally person. You've heard both of us. We're, we have so much privilege and power, and yet we still both questioned our value of living. So imagine a, young, a younger person struggling with their sexual orientation or gender identity and then not having the what depth of perception or anybody to talk to about that who is safe and loving. And you have to say it out loud because people just don't guess yeah. unless you're Mary. But <laughs> oh, so I, so I told, so when I did come out, the person who I did confide in after I told my Eric, my kid's dad, 
I said, okay, I have to tell you something and it's really big and I'll give you three, I'll give you 10 guesses. And to my shock, she guessed on the third one. And I was just super surprised that I'm like, why? First you think I'm having an affair, then you think he's having an affair, and then I'm gay? Like, that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, why would you think that? You've known me for 20 years. You, you, did, you thought I was gay and you never said anything? And, you know, it really might have helped me. But when I came out, too, to my, um, one of my childhood best friends that I've known since I was 12, and I, she flew out to Ohio to visit and we went to pick up pizza and I said, oh my gosh, I have to tell you something. And I said, I'm gay. And she just like, it, it was like me telling her, you know, I think it's going to rain tomorrow. And she goes, oh yeah, I've known that since <laughs> you were 12. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? Like I, we were 12. Could you have just like mentioned a little bit like, hey, you know what? Some, some women like women and some men like men just giving me some sort of a clue or a tip so I'm ready for it though. I wasn't ready and that's exactly what she said she said you weren't ready to hear that and so if you're not ready you can't move forward until you yourself are completely ready so I'll let you share about that too like yeah, no when um, you're you know when you're ready yeah. or something happens totally. yeah no you have to be ready you have to be ready um I was not ready um, for a long time. And then it just got to a point where, I, yeah, I'm like, I either just dive totally in and just be true to myself or I'll never be successful in my life. I mean, it was just to deny who you are. Yeah. You just can't, you can't live that way. Um, at least I can't. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of who I am today. Um, for the most part, Me too. um, but you know, it's, I have richer relationships with my family, with my friends, because we meet on an honest level. I hope to have a richer relationship with my wife. I mean, I think she knows I'm gay, so that's a good thing. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we came to this at very different avenues. As most people do. Experiences yeah. are just so personal, but then they're also so general in that they can be we can generalize the marginalization of our experience to other populations because the LGBTQ community is not the only marginalized community by a long shot. In fact, we're living out probably the most marginalized community ever in U.S. history is the African-American community. And then, and then we also have children on the border in cages so another marginalized community that, you know, our struggles in being open and honest and speaking our truth is relevant across the board in so many other situations. And we have to come to grips and we are part of white America. Hello, look at us. So it's okay for us to say that, you know, white America has to come to grips with our history and rewrite our history so that it incorporates all groups and the struggles that everybody has gone through and that we own our traumas, we own our injuries that we've caused, and 
we then celebrate together that we can move forward as a group together. Well, and I think too, it's a matter of when the laws are set up, you know, I've said this, um, I'm a total political geek. So anybody knows me knows this, but anyways, you know, at the, in the Supreme court etched there, it says equal justice under the law. And so when you're part of a marginalized group who isn't a part of that equal justice under the law. Um, and when you're saying, Hey, we just want equal rights, not more rights, not less rights, just equal, just, you know, get us into that nice little bag. Um, the messaging to you is that you're less and you don't matter as much. And so when, as I was coming out, I think that had a lot to do with it. Like my life's going to be harder because the messaging is there are rules against me and my sexuality and the religion of all of that stuff kind of flies into the face. And so you're thinking, wow, I just, maybe I don't matter as much because this, the laws and the society are set up against me because I love somebody of the same sex. I mean, it just doesn't, it boggles my mind or the color of your skin. I'm like, how does what, you know, it just, it does. I can't, to, you know, I just can't or your make country of origin. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, it's very dangerous when the community or the, you know, the laws are set up against you just merely for your skin color or your sexuality. Um, it sets up a totally dangerous precedent for people. And no wonder we have high suicide rates in the LGBT community because of the messaging out there from our the laws. It's unfortunate. Um, so we have to we have to work on that and change that. Um, I work in a state right now that I could be fired for being gay uh, because my company is based in Texas. Thank God I work for a great organization that would never do that. But it's just kind of like. But I live in a state where I was fired for being gay explicitly. That was exactly the words I was told was the person who works with you will not work with a lesbian. You're fired. So, and that's California, and that was in the last 10 years. So, sure, there's legal ramifications for that. You're not allowed to fire. They should have just said, we we're, we're just don't need you, but they didn't understand the laws because they just thought you could discriminate <clears throat> that blatantly. But we're pretty much getting back to that because the way our, our system and laws are changing but we won't go into that right now. Let's see where we're at. We have four more minutes. So does anybody have any questions? All right. I have dated black men since high school. I've gone through so much with family, friends, the world, just because of who I'm attracted to. I can relate to everything you're saying, especially with, if I touch the see more button, it will make the, the video stop. So I can't see what else you're saying, Alicia. But yeah, the same it it's it's similar. It's like, you know, when you when you do something out of step with what dominant culture wants you to do, then all of a sudden you're ostracized and you really have to explain it and it shouldn't be that way. The world shouldn't be set up that way and it's been set up strategically that way to benefit particular a very particular group. And it doesn't mean that that group is bad. So, but it just means that we need to elevate what we know now from science and history and anthropology and change our story 
and rewrite the full version of our story because it doesn't include all the struggles that everybody has had. And I can't speak to those struggles because my struggles are different. And yes, having biracial children, the conflict between having children who are biracial are competing, you know, dominant culture versus African-American culture, one oppress the other. And that's all living within a, a biracial child. How do, how do we make that work out well for that child? That's what we need to be talking about that it, we, need to, we need to clean that story up for our children because we're going to have more and more biracial children of all races. And that's what makes the USA so awesome is that we are a country of many people from all over the world. And we're global now because of social media and things like this, Facebook Live. So now we can embrace people all over the world. And I think, okay, why do we... Okay, this is this is just me thinking kooky, but I just think, why do we have to have so many countries? Why do we have to have so many laws? Can't we just be like humanity and have like the global universe of goodness? Okay, that's me being Casper the Friendly Ghost. Take it all in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, here's the thing. Just keep in mind, you know, people are people. We all love, we all have great days, bad days. Nobody has a monopoly on being good or bad. But it's just a matter of honoring people where they are in their life and listening to their history and, and also being able to speak up about who you are. Because the more people know that we're more alike than we are different, it, it really kind of opens folks' eyes up to something different um, when they realize like, oh, you've had the same issues too. And okay, you might be gay, but yeah, we're all just people just trying to get through this world um, the best we know how and love our families and to love our people and do the best we can um, with the tools that we have been given. And sometimes we add more tools we need as more. we move forward. So, but it's um, it's been a fun ride with this one. And she's brought oh. a lot of a life into my life for sure. Um, you too. Me too. I brought two cats. That's it. <laughs> That's it, two cats. What about that power washer? Oh, yeah. She bought me a power washer for my birthday. <laughs> she really wanted it. That's why. I would never buy someone a power and a washer. Weed whacker. I didn't buy you the weed whacker. That oh, was no. The kids. Sorry, that was the kids. That was yes. the kids. We know you. We know you, and that's what you wanted. So, And we couldn't go on a trip. So we're like, all right, we'll let her make our house a vacation place. Yeah. So... What I wanted to say was, Christy, thank you. I'm so glad you're sharing with schools because schools are another place where the system is set up to oppress particularly African-American young boys. And we need to redesign some of that stuff. We need to, to own it, acknowledge it, and make schools a systemically safe place for all children. Yes. I mean, we have a lot of work to do and thank goodness there are people in the streets. And I'm so proud today of our health officials who have come out and said the protests are so important, even though during the time we're in a pandemic, that it's the racism in this country that is 
creating the disparity from this pandemic. And so we have to deal with the root cause, which is racism. And so I was so glad because I'm starting to already hear the rumblings of, oh, it's all those protests that we were having higher numbers numbers of COVID. That is not true. So please spread this word. It's because everybody went to the beach on Memorial Day. It's not. We aren't seeing the elevation in numbers. I'm sure we will have elevation in numbers, but at least it's for a purposeful, good, soulful life cause for equality not just because you need a tan before summer hits at the beach on Memorial Day and you don't want to wear a mask because that's oppressive. That's our story for today. My beautiful wife, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life friend.